Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. Today's buzz is recruiting. Top top question for all of you out there, is acquiring and retaining top talent tougher than ever for your company, meaning you're just not getting the top candidates. They're eluding you somehow. They're going to your competition. They're not even applying for jobs in your company. Well, there could be three factors at play. Listen up. One is there's a workforce mobility mindset. They're thinking, hmm, why should I stay too long in one place? I can move around. My career is mobile. Okay. Number two, as I mentioned, competitors, they're out there If you're getting good candidates, they want them, and they might get to them before you do. That's called poaching. They might be getting them just as the candidate's walking in the door ready to take a job. It could be that dire. The third factor could be your employer brand. OMG, look in the mirror. What are you doing? What's your reputation? Well, if this comes as a surprise, the idea that an employer brand could be empowering other people to get the right employees and preventing you from getting them, here's a reality check. You know how customers check social media for reviews. They want to know, are your products any good? Is your service any good? They're out there combing the web. Well, today, potential job recruits are also on the web. And guess what? They're looking for insider information about you, your company. What is it like to work there? What happens after the welcome mat is put out. What happens after that introductory, hello, welcome to our workforce? How is it really on the inside of your company? And people are talking about that. They are. So big question today is, are your own talent leaders helping your employer brand or are they hindering your employer brand? This could be the hidden factor that's impeding top talent recruiting for you. We have a panel of experts, and I have to tell you that we've invited two of the three are back, and one is a brand-new panelist. And this is a topic we covered on October twentieth, 2014, on our series called HR Trends with Game Changers. So let me welcome our panel, and let's get started. Coming back to us on the same topic, which is the Yelpification of Recruiting, Part 2. Tim Sackett is the president of HRU Technical Resources, and Tim sent me a quote from Drew Carey. I love this. Listen up. Oh, you hate your job? Why didn't you say so? There's a support group for that. It's called Everybody, and they meet at the bar. I love this. Tim Sackett, how are you today? Welcome back to Game Changers Radio. Thanks, Bonnie. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Drew Carey, this was an interesting quote. Is this from uh, one of his TV shows or, or, I don't know, from The Price is Right? We could be talking Price is Right here, too. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it's pre, pre-Price is Right from the, from the TV show, uh, definitely. And he does also does stand-up, so I just think Drew is funny. And it speaks to, um, so, especially to Glassdoor, because, you know, we tend to think of, uh, you know, sites like Glassdoor, you know, reputation sites of having our employees go out there and complain, and right? So, and we all complain, and, and, and we all... Uh, that's what they that's what they believe like everyone hates their job but the reality is is uh is we don't but uh, for those who do we can all commiserate together with each other so tim is it a double-edged sword today where this let's go back to in my intro the workforce mobility mindset are people jumping ship too soon are they not waiting long enough to really build that credibility uh and does the fact that people want to jump reflect on the employer brand what do you think 
I don't know if we necessarily have, I think we have a, there's a thing in the media that, you know, when, when we do out, we go out and measure people's intent to want to jump, it's very high. Like I've heard recent numbers, like 85% of people, of employees are intending to, to jump into another position. But when we get to the actual jump, that number's much, much lower. And so I think there's this perception that, yeah, gosh, if somebody came and offered me a dream job, then yeah, I would take it. And then somebody comes and offers you a job, and then they go, oh, gosh. I, because job change itself is really hard. So I think I, I do think that, you know, obviously it's easier and people are more mobile today. Um, you know, to change jobs. But I don't know if it's, it's a, the big, giant, um, you know, problem that we believe it is right now. Okay, thank you, Tim. Good intro to our topic. Welcoming a new panelist now. It's Chrissy Glover. She is the Employer Brand Marketing Manager at Opower, O-P-O-W-E-R. She's also a Glassdoor talent warrior. We'll ask her about that. And Chrissy sent me a quote from Robert, I'm going to pronounce it Chew, T-E-W. Here's the quote. What you deny or ignore, you delay. What you accept and face, you conquer. Interesting. Chrissy Glover, welcome. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Fine. Thank you so much for joining us. Delighted to meet you and welcome you to join this panel of a of a part two. And for you, it's a part one. So tell me, how did you pick this quote and relate it to our topic, Yelpification of Recruiting? Go ahead, Chrissy. It's a quote I heard a while back that really resonated for me from a personal perspective because I'm always uh, – always looking at things head on and how I can improve and how I can get better and how to be honest with myself. And it fits in perfect with the concept of Glassdoor. And oftentimes uh, people think of Glassdoor as just being useful for the job seeker, but it's also a very useful tool to the employer to really be honest uh, with maybe what some of their weaknesses are and uh, be able to have tips and clues into some of the action planning that they need to do to improve their company. So it is holding up the mirror. Is, would you agree with that, Chrissy? It's Absolutely. take a look and see what... Now, now tell me something. What can an employer do if they see negative feedback or negative anything about them on Glassdoor, for example? What's the action item that they can legitimately take? Uh, take an honest look if there's some truth. Uh, do a little bit of internal research and see where this uh, review might be coming from. Um, recognize uh, the situation. It's important to respond to all of those reviews and to do so carefully. So recognizing um, the person's concern, but then maybe providing a different perspective that uh, the employee hadn't uh, considered before. Um, And then actually, you know, compiling these themes that you find over the course of time and helping influence the way executives lead um, from the top down. Thank you, Chrissy. It would be interesting if you go for a, uh, a job interview and the HR manager or whoever the hiring front-facing person is says to you, by the way, you probably check Glassdoor and you probably see that we got a really bad review on this, this, and this, and I'm here to tell you it's not true. I mean, can you imagine walking in the door? Is that a reasonable scenario? Could that happen in reality, Chrissy? Um, it could happen in reality. I don't think that the recruiter or the hiring manager would bring that up. But what we hear oftentimes from candidates is, hey, I saw your profile on Glassdoor and I saw that you, review, that you respond to almost all of the reviews. That's really important to me. That means that you're listening. And, um, you know, we've, I've heard that so many times from so many candidates. So it's powerful just to show that you're out there and that you're listening and 
candidates care about that. Okay, good. Thank you so much, Chrissy. Nice to meet you. And let's bring on our third panelist, who was also on the air with Tim Sackett on, let's see, it was October 20th. That's right, on our HR Trends show. It's Jessica Miller-Merrill. She's the founder of Blogging for Jobs with the numeral four in the middle, bloggingforjobs.com. And she's also the president and CEO of Exceptional. That's exceptional without the E in front of it, HR. And Jessica this time sent me a quote from Willie Woody Guthrie, and here's the quote. Any fool can make something complicated. It takes a genius to make something simple. This is such a fantastic quote, Jessica, because it applies to so many things. Welcome, Jessica. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Delighted to have you back. Talk to me. How does this relate to our Yelpification of recruiting topic? Glassdoor, any review site, is all about feedback and people providing or participating in the crowdsource movement and providing feedback to the employer a lot of times we over-engineer the process. It's, it's kind of like the employee survey process. We spend so much time implementing the survey, crunching the numbers, putting it together, building a team, when the easiest path, the simplest path is often the best, and that is sitting down and talking with people and then coming up with a plan for change. And, and so I see transparency sites, these review sites, sites as a simple option, don't have to over-engineer it, but it gives you a heads up on what people are saying about you in uh, public places other than the Internet, in conversations in an elevator or at a happy hour about your company. And so now you have an opportunity to make a decision to make a change. Jessica, are CEOs very much aware of Glassdoor and similar transparency sites as far as uh, the impact on employer brand? Is this something that's keeping them awake at night, or is this something that the HR manager would come up with and and say, oh, we are addressing it, don't worry about it? How high up on the food chain in the C-suite is this awareness? Do you know? Well, talent is the number one concern for CEOs today. They want good talent in their organizations. They want them to stay in their company so that they can grow um, and scale, do all these things um, in the business world and and meet those expectations of shareholders and stakeholders. Uh, Typically, Glassdoor, they they might be aware of it. Maybe they don't understand because I don't see a lot of CEOs writing on a review site like Glassdoor and leaving a review of their hiring Mm -hmm. process. So, Normally, they'll come aware because maybe their daughter shows them or um, somebody from their team or something goes up the email chain that puts them in the know. And then, of course, um, you're in the executive meeting and and they're printing out this review and saying, hey, what are we going to do about this? So um, it's not something I think they're reading diligently. They're looking at the bigger strategic picture, long-term picture of talent management and engagement uh, for their organization and how it meets the business plan and strategy. Thank you. Good point, bringing in the business plan. I appreciate that, and I would appreciate now going back to Tim Sackett. And, Tim, you know what's coming. I'm going to ask you, because this is the official Coffee Break with Game Changers radio series, what's in your cup today? What are you drinking right now, if it's anything interesting? And if not, what do you plan to drink after the show, Tim? Yeah, Bonnie, you know, I'm usually like a a diehard Diet Mountain Dew drinker, but I've switched up a little bit trying to get a little more healthy, and I'm not even sure if this is healthy or not, but I'm doing a Crystal Light Peach Mango Energy, like, add-in to your water bottle. Um, It's kind of like having a tropical drink at the office minus the rum. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. We had a guest on, on one of our shows. We do two shows on Tuesdays now. And one of the guests said he was um, 
tipping some Jameson into his coffee because it was so cold and nobody nobody missed a beat. Nobody made a comment like, really, it's 10 in the morning here. Where are you? Anyway, very, very interesting. I'm not giving away any secrets, though. I didn't say that. Chrissy Glover, where are you calling from and what are you drinking or what do you wish you're drinking? I'm in San Francisco. I wish I had a remarkable coffee to tell you about, but truth be told, I'm drinking water, and I will probably be drinking water after this. However, if I had my way, I would probably be heading across the Golden Gate Bridge to hit up Sonoma Wine Country and visit my favorite uh, winery, which is Ravenswood. Oh, very good. And what would your favorite drink be? Would you be doing a wine tasting, or would you go right for a certain bottle of wine? Where would you go? I'd probably go straight for a Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, thank you very much. Nice to know that about Chrissy Glover. And Jessica Miller Merrill, where are you and what are you drinking? Uh, This week I'm actually in New York City for uh, some work and um, I'm holed up in the snow a little bit um, in uh, my hotel suite working. But um, I... uh, would say I've been drinking a lot of coffee, particularly um, not fat, non-fat lattes, um, mm-hmm. which has been nice. And yesterday I uh, met with a HR technology startup that's totally not on the radar, but they saw my tweet that I had arrived in New York City and asked to meet up for coffee. So um, that's kind of why I like uh, travel. And then, you know, nothing compares to a good cup of coffee and some conversation. That's wonderful. Nice to know they were watching the tweets. And uh, that brings me back to our tweets today. We have a very active, I'll call it a Twitter party, if I may. We're tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. And I want to do a shout out to Karen Geraldo tweeting at K-H-E-R-A-L-D-O 24. Looks like you have a new new picture there, a new hairdo, Karen. Welcome. Always happy to have you tweeting on the show. I know my colleague Malcolm Kimberlin is tweeting at SAP underscore radio. And uh, welcome also to Sylvia Lennon. And she's at S-Y-L-V-S-A-Y-S, Silv says. And Sylvia worked with me on putting together the first panel where we introduced Tim Sackett and Jessica Miller-Merrill and uh, somebody else on the panel in October. So great to have the three of you tweeting with us. Guess what? We're going to take a break. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. For keeping track, this is episode number 169. Woohoo! We are live. It's Wednesday, February 18th. Where is the year going? I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the show. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial when I'm coming back in just about 90 seconds. I will ask Tim Sackett, the president of HRU Technical Resources, to kick off our 30-minute nonstop roundtable. You don't want to miss this one. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back. I'm here today with Tim Sackett at HRU Technical Resources, Chrissy Glover at O Power, and Jessica Miller Merrill at Exceptional HR, among other companies she runs. And we're talking about the Yelpification of recruiting. Such a big topic, we decided to do part two. We started part one on our HR Trends with Game Changers series last October, and we brought it over here to our Coffee Break flagship show. We're going to kick off a roundtable now with Tim Sackett. Tim, I'm looking at your notes. Here's some very interesting comments comments you made to me before the show. I think it's a great place to start. So let me read a little bit and then you can run with it. Tim says, where employers are failing in utilizing sites like Glassdoor to their advantage is that they struggle with their three employment brands. Now, everybody listen up. Number one is their actual employment brand or employer brand. Number two is their desired brand. And number three is their executive employment brand. Fascinating. Tim Sackett, why don't you expand for us, please? Yeah, no problem. You know, I think we obviously the actual employment brand is that brand that we all feel and breathe every single day, all of our employees. So it's the actual brand that they're living. It's reality. Now, you know, when we actually go out and commercialize our employment brand to to talent, we want to show the best version of ourselves, right? So that's that desired employment brand. That's the commercial. It's the United Benetton of colored faces and then one person in a wheelchair. And, you know, we, we make jokes of those kinds of commercials because it's not reality necessarily for every environment. But it's, mm-hmm. it's this perfect environment that we want potential talent to come see. And then we have this executive employment brand, and this is that C-suite level, what they believe our work environment is. And a lot of times it's disconnected from what the employees believe it is. And it becomes very hard for HR professionals to try to to manage through that because you go and say, okay, hey, we did the employment surveys and our engagement surveys, and here's what our brand really is. Here's what we want to tell our candidates. And, oh, by the way, the CEO believes that it's the best place in the world to work. That's because he's making seven figures and has all the company benefits and, and all the great stuff in the world that you know maybe somebody down in the mailroom doesn't have, and they see the world a little bit differently. And so we have to manage through that, and I think that becomes the really difficult you know, part of it because when you get on Glassdoor, and I think um, you know, Chrissy had mentioned this as well, and you had asked her about how do we involve like, the, the executives you know, within mm-hmm. – are they aware of Glassdoor – and I think the one time you can get your executives aware is when someone mentions that, hey, our CEO is a, is a piece of garbage. And they put it on Glassdoor and you go, hey, Mr. CEO, Mrs. CEO, we might want to respond to this. And all of a sudden they became keenly aware. And I'm reminded of a story, um, you know, all of us are on Facebook now, you know, what our, our grandparents, our parents, our, our cousins, our sisters and brothers. And somebody put on my family Christmas party on Facebook. One of the aunts put it out. Hey, everybody, like just how we communicate in today's world. And my grandmother heard that her name was on Facebook and lost her mind. Get my name <laughs> off the Facebook. And we go, no, no, Grandma, you don't understand. It's not a bad thing. But she just heard this negative connotation to social media and, and names sure. being spread and stuff like that. I think we can get our, our, our executives to, to pay attention to reputation sites like Glassdoor by showing them, oh, by the way, guess what? You're being talked about. And, and, and it takes that inter- internal kind of need to say, oh, my gosh, I don't want something bad to be said about me. Or if something's good said about me, that's great as well. But maybe I should be involved in this. And I think that's a great way to kind of start off your executive group. Interesting. Grandma brand. Now we have a grandma brand. Poor, poor grandma. <laughs> Very interesting. I, 
Oh, my God. And I can imagine that that's exactly what she said. I have one quick question for you before we get Chrissy yep. and Jessica in on this conversation. Undercover Boss. It's becoming my one of my go-to TV shows just mm-hmm. because the bosses, the CEOs, very often have no clue what's going yeah. on in the trenches, in their factories, in their stores. There was a devastating v- version of it about a week ago where they promised people, they said to one man, oh, don't go. We hear you're you're about to leave. You gave your notice today. You're about to leave and go to a competitor where there's more money. Please stay. We'll give you $30,000 to help with your son's education and your mother's medication. The guy said, okay, I'll stay. I'd love to. The postscript was the company shut down that factory two weeks after filming was wrapped up and the man had lost the opportunity to go get that other job and other people's families were devastated reality check they probably knew at the time of filming they're about to close that plant but didn't Mm -hmm. say anything so i'd hate to see what was on glassdoor for that one any comments so quickly on undercover boss as far as the reality of hey ceo you better know what your employer brand is any thoughts on that tim you know, I think I think all CEOs and or senior or senior executives doesn't have to be CEO. It could be COO, CIO, CFO, whatever. C-suite mm-hmm. executives, if they get out in the field and spend time, you you would be amazed at what employees will share with you, positively and negatively. When you show up just once and it's like the king coming down, you know, and everyone's quiet and mm-hmm. clean up the office, and, and they try to they actually try to portray the version of the brand that the CEO believes you have. And that becomes a misnomer. But the more they're out there, and I worked for Applebee's International. We had 2,000 restaurants. Our executives were in the restaurants every single day. They would jump online and help cook. They would wash dishes at lunch. They would clear tables. The employees felt comfortable enough to come up and tell them what really was going on. And that's completely mm-hmm. different than a lot of organizations. And so, I, uh, you know, the undercover boss is great. But I think we all have that opportunity without going undercover. Just be present. Be out there and be, be a part of your workforce. And people will come up to you and share information that you never thought they would. Great advice. Chrissy Glover, want to get you in on this. Thoughts? Um, I actually think Tim gave a really great summary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you agree with those three versions of the employer brand, the, the actual, the desired, and the, uh, the executive, Yes. Absolutely, and we are actually uh, focusing on that right now, building out our employee value proposition, which is basically a promise to the employee, and and it takes a look at all all three of those brands that Tim's talking about. So that's a really powerful tool when you're preparing to brand your company and your company's reputation. Chrissy, quickly tell us, what is O-Power? Uh, we are a SaaS company, a global SaaS company, and we partner with utilities around the world uh, to help them better engage their customers and um, and hopefully increase energy efficiency, which ends up reducing carbon emissions, is better for the planet, and it saves consumers money. Okay, thank you very much. And Jessica Miller-Merrill, thoughts on this top part of our topic? I, I think... Tim is right on in, in saying that you need to get out in the field and, and have conversations. That's that's the best way to get to get to know your employees, what's important to them, their value proposition, why they choose to to work at the organization, and and what maybe what's a favorite part um, of the company. It's those small conversations and those relationships that are. I mean, we're human. We're human beings, and you know, we're driven through mm-hmm. human connections and conversations. And so, get out from the boardroom or from your desk, and get out there in the field, and um, and just 
start talking. When when I uh, I worked at Home Depot for uh, a period of time, and and I was HR for a number of stores, but some of the best conversations and um, relationships I built working there were actually in the garden department, um, stacking um, bags of manure and dirt. And so you get to know everything that's happening in that particular location in just a couple hours um, at, at really no cost other than a little bit of a sweat equity. <laughs> you are so politely putting that. I can, I can, yes, I can see everybody crinkling their noses at that one. Thank you very much. Uh, Jessica, do you watch Undercover Boss? Any thoughts on the show? I do, I do, and um, actually a friend of mine has been on the show before, um, Kat Cole, who um, was the CEO of Cinnabon. She just moved over to a, a new position with a larger organization. I I love that they are, are helping like share the stories and kind of bring attention to the fact that there is this disconnect in uh, many organizations, and I think it's because it's so important to get out there um, and, and talk to those employees. A lot of times... Um, the average employee is terrified that they're going to lose their job or say something wrong or um, they don't necessarily want to be open and honest with that CEO. Uh, I will say um, that a a lot of this stuff is staged and they normally tell you um, the employees that maybe are at the plan or that facility or whatever, that this person is part of a reality show and they won like a cooking contest or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so they will get $50,000 and be able to start their own business. So it's, it's not necessarily always, I think, the way that it's portrayed on the show. The people don't necessarily know it's the CEO, uh, but they know something's going on because there's cameras uh, running around and, and, you know, people putting on makeup. Right, and they're supposedly sitting in a corner in a parking lot somewhere on a little picnic bench having a coffee with this very strange, usually very poorly dressed person sharing their <laughs> deepest, darkest secrets about their family and who's been injured and who has medical bills and how many uh, how many families they had when they were growing up. And, you know, I'm sure that part of it is very real, but I'm wondering if it isn't highly edited. In other words, which pieces get to make it to the big time on the the show that's actually aired, but we don't have to go there. Maybe we'll do a whole show on Undercover Boss. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Tim Sackett, anything else you want to talk about on these three versions or three tiers of the employer brand before we move on? No, I think we put it to bed. Good. I think we did. You certainly wrapped that one up. Thank you. Chrissy Glover, I'm looking at your notes, and I think it's time that we turn our attention to the competition. I'm going to read this statement, and I'd like you to expand it then, and we'll get everybody in and out. You say, competitive intelligence, get educated. Not only do reviews like Glassdoor allow candidates to see inside the closed doors of your company, they also allow your competitors to be better informed. This sounds dangerous to me. Chrissy Glover, talk to us. I was hoping you would pick that one. That's one of that was, that's one of my favorites. Good. Um, yeah, true. And so, just like we're talking about using all of this helpful feedback and reviews and applying it to action planning for your own company, we can we can see inside pretty much any company out there that exists. There's over 300,000 companies uh, on Glassdoor, and at any given moment, I can go and look and see what people are saying about them. So especially when you're in as highly of a competitive market as our second largest office here in in San Francisco in the Silicon Valley area, um, competition is stiff and the the recruiting landscape is ever evolving and it's changing fast. And I can look and see what um, these top companies that we want to recruit from, 
I can tell what their weaknesses are. I can tell what, what they're not, not doing as well. And if it's something that we do really well, then that's, that's how, what I know to share with our recruiters when they're talking to that particular candidate that they're trying to poach, so to speak. And how high up do you push that information when you're looking on Glassdoor Competitive? Do you do uh, send out a bulletin to everybody at the top of your company and say, guess what, look what we just found out, breaking news, we got to go and fix this and fix that so that we can be competitive on, on that aspect? Is this ever a, an OMG moment or an aha moment, or is it just, yeah, we figured, we already heard that through the buzz? What, what's the situation? Uh, I think there are some OMG moments. What I actually do, um, Glassdoor has been a really powerful tool for us. Um, I actually create a quarterly report that I send uh, to our VP of people, and she oftentimes shares with the executive team that looks at themes for us, and it looks at our trends and our metrics and where we're improving or where we might be dropping. But then I also include a section that talks about some of our you know, top competitors that we're consistently looking at. Um, and then in addition, uh, part of my role here at Opower is to support the recruiters. So if they've got a crucial role that they're really looking to close, then then that might be something that the recruiter and I talk about and explore so I can help them find that that crucial selling point that's really going to close, close the candidate. Thank you. Sounds like it's a combination of art and science. Jessica Miller-Merrill, thoughts? Join us. So everybody has access to this information, right? Like if you have access to Glassdoor, you can take a look. And and so I um, am more interested in information that not everybody has access to. And and that involves maybe some good old-fashioned research. And I call it uh, shopping your competitors. And so regularly applying for their jobs or having team members go to interviews to try to understand the process, evaluate what maybe the benefits that they offer, different programs and things, so that you can build your recruiting plan and and process and strategy around the information that isn't available out on the web. Um, Because it's likely that at at Opower's competitors are doing the same thing. And so I would be more interested in arming myself also with knowledge that isn't available publicly to really gain a competitive edge. Interesting. Is there such a thing as This is Chrissy again, if I can speak Mm -hmm. up. I I think that it should be a multiple-prong approach. I don't don't think it's... um, don't look at the information that's on Glassdoor because others can see it and don't do, you know, the research on your own. I really think that in order to, to cover the bases, you've got to look at a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And um, the recruiting world is a crazy, busy, busy world. And there aren't a whole lot of uh, recruiters that actually have the time to go out there and be looking at that stuff. So, um, I, I think it's important to get a whole big picture look, not one or the other. Thank you, Chrissy. I was going to suggest we might need a, an extra chair at the C-suite table called CCO Chief Competition Officer, or does that already exist? <laughs> Jessica, have you observed that? Uh, and nothing yet. Nothing yet, but, you know, it, it, the C-suite's uh, already crowded, but, you know, I think that hey. research is king. You know, the more information you have, the better um, your your strategy and plans can be. This could be interesting. Tim Sackett, I hear you in the background. I know you want to jump in. Go ahead. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we do have uh, strategy officers in a lot of our companies, and I think they probably take on that role. I, I think what Christy says is brilliant because 90% of t- talent and HR pros just don't even get that to that point, right? They don't understand the competitive knowledge that they have in their hands every single day. We always think when we think of competitive intelligence, we always think of, oh, that must be marketing's job or that's operations jobs or somebody else's job. And I tried to implore to HR and talent folks that you – in a function, have more of this knowledge than probably anybody. And I have a great example. When I ran, when I ran the health system here in Michigan, a large health system, we had a competing health system across town. My wife actually worked there as as a physical therapist, right? And so she comes home one day, has this letter. They're getting, they're doing some small layoffs. They're targeted. They're getting rid of a business unit, blah blah blah. But it speaks to the health of an organization. And I immediately sent an email to the CEO of our health system and said, hey, I have some competitive knowledge, so, you know, competitive intelligence and competitive information. Let's talk tomorrow. And he immediately emailed me back. And this is like 730 at night and said, I'll be in at 730 in the morning. Can you meet me? Like they want that knowledge so bad that they can't even wait to get it. And if we can deliver it to them, it's awesome. And then, you know, from Jessica's point, um, I do agree. And I, I do think we have to carve out that time to make, you know, to make time to go out and do some of those things. Um, that we that a lot of t- uh, recruiting pros just wouldn't be comfortable doing, um, but that's how we get their good knowledge, right? It's 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 2015 corporate espionage, but it's not against the law. It's just there for the taking if you're willing to go out and do it and maybe jump over the line a little bit. Um, and, and so I think I think both um, we like Chrissy said too. I think it's, it's a dual approach. You have to have, you have to have a lot of ways to try to get that competitive data and knowledge. But we have to understand that we actually have it and then want to share it and, you know, and tell our C-suite that we have this knowledge. And they will always want it. Anything you have competitively they want, you just have to offer it up. Thank you. Chrissy, we've been talking about you. Any thoughts you want to chime in on before we move on? Um, I think everybody has really valid points. And you put the three of us together and we can probably really help the company. <laughs> I think you're going to run the world, the three of you. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm projecting. Let's move on to another aspect of this topic, Jessica Miller-Merrill. I'm looking at, well, first of all, let's just find out a little bit about um, blogging for jobs and exceptional HR. Just tell us a little bit about your companies. Uh, Yeah, so blogging for jobs started in 2007 um, as I was HR director for a large Fortune 200 company and created a blog to try to help job seekers understand why they didn't get the job and then create a candidate pipeline as my uh, headcount numbers and the needs of the the division that I was working in were changing really rapidly. Uh, The blog has changed and it's now more recruiting and and HR practitioner focused, but Mm -hmm. um, we serve the HR and recruiting communities and provide them with information and resources um, in in a, a number of different mediums, podcasts, uh, webinars, blogs, all those different things to try to get uh, helpful resources and information out there. And what about Exceptional HR? Uh, Exceptional HR is uh, the parent company, and uh, a lot oh, of okay. my work is helping um, also HR technology companies and service providers understand the perspective and point of view of the HR and recruiter community that they're trying to sell their products and services to. So Thank I uh, work a lot in that capacity. 
And I have to tell everybody, you've been listed as the seventh most powerful woman on Twitter. I want to follow you on Twitter. We need you on our side. Jessica, I'm looking at your notes here. Very, very edgy statement here. You say, I like to compare the job market to used car sales. I'm thinking plaid pants and pink blazers. Sorry, maybe that's Uh-oh. somebody who's golfing. You say there's a lot of misinformation out there and untruths that in the past resulted in bad purchases that can cost a consumer thousands of dollars in car repairs. Let's finish this analogy. Jessica? I want. I don't want to make the job search out as having a bad rap, but there, all of us, I think, and myself included, have made bad decisions to work for companies mm-hmm. where the the job or the role or your working capacity wasn't quite explained, or you weren't, you know, the curtain wasn't fully unveiled to give you the big picture of everything that you would or would not be doing. And so um, when those sorts of things happen, um, you know, we make a bad decision, like a bad purchase of a car, and we get a lemon. And so then we go back to the drawing board and go out there again and and learn from those situations. One of the things that I like about Glassdoor, and this is why I kind of liken the job search to the car sales market, is review sites like Glassdoor, um, the social media, all this information that's out there on the web is an information source for candidates. So they're being armed with information and knowledge so that they can make better buying decisions because they're buying in and committing to work for this organization. In the 70s and even the 80s and and maybe some of the 90s, when you went to the car lot, the person that had all the information and had all the power, just like the employer, um, until really sort of this mushroom of information that's available on the Internet, was that car salesman that you're working with. And so they held all the cards in their hand and had all the control. Uh, You aren't a car expert. You might be able to take it to mechanic, but you didn't have that information available to you to know, um, is this car good? What do people think about it? What's what's really the gas mileage? You're relying on one person to give you all those, um, those notes. Now, in car sales, it's completely different. You have the Carfax, you have online reviews, you have consumer reports. You have all these better these things out there to help you make a better decision in purchasing your car or finding a great place to work. Thank you. Tim Sackett, what do you think of that analogy? Uh, you know, as always, Jessica's right on. Um, you know, I think that... Um, you know, we just have there's this, the the amount of information that people have right now. At a point, can be powerful, and also at a point, I think it becomes information overload for a lot of the candidates that are out there. Um, I, you know, I have found too that the more information that people have available, sometimes they just start to go. Oh, I'm just I'm gonna go with my gut. We do this with interviewing, mm-hmm. by the way. HR pros are terrible at this, where we go and have assessments and you know cognitive and you know all these different things. We go through these great interviews, and at the end of the day, we go. Yeah, you know, there's just something about Tim. He had red hair. I don't like him. We're not going to hire. And you want to go, no, my gosh, that he might be the best candidate in the entire world, and you just missed out. And it happens to job seekers as well, you know, where they go, you know, and I've told people, I've had people call me and say, hey, I'm thinking about going to this company. They called me. What do you think? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know the internal workings of that company, and they're awful. Run away. And, And at the end of the day, it was a larger title. It was more money. And the people said, Tim, they told me that they're really working to fix it. And through, you know, 90 days later, they, you know, they call me back and go, oh my gosh, what a nightmare. I was, you were so right. I was so wrong. And so that happens a lot. No matter what information people have, they still ultimately tend to go with their gut. 
Um, and, and again, it's one, it's one of the reasons I think we can leverage um, reputation sites like Glassdoor to the benefit, because I still think it's, it's mostly marketing. We try to say it's transparency, but I could sit there and have three bad reviews on Glassdoor from, you know, employees that just didn't like my environment, didn't like me, didn't do whatever. And they, you know, so they tend to go out there and do that. I could go and say, hey, you know what, to my entire workforce of 1,000 people, I'm going to give you Friday off, but only if you go out and fill, a, fill out a Glassdoor, you know, reputation, you know, go out there and put one out there. And all of a sudden now those three become meaningless because I have a thousand positive ones out there. And did I buy those 1,000 positives? Does anybody really know that? Um, so there's, there is ways, I think, to manipulate, you know, some of that information that's out there. Yep, that's the downside of transparency is is who had to do what to get that transparency. That was also one of Jessica's talking points. Uh, Tim, before we move on, I want Chrissy to chime in on the used car. I have to uh, do diligence with you, HRU Technical Resources. Tell us briefly what your company does. We are a Michigan-based IT engineering staffing firm, and, and I've been doing that. My mother started the company 35 years ago, and I took over Ooh. six years ago, and she's now retired and sitting on a beach in Florida, and my guess is in about 20 minutes she'll have a glass of wine and enjoying <laughs> life. And also I, I blog for at timsackett.com and for another site uh, like Jessica's blogging for jobs called fistfulloftalent.com, which is oh. another multi-contributor, great information for HR and talent pros. Mm-hmm. We've had somebody from Fistful of Talent on our HR Trend show about two years ago, I believe, so I'm Chris, familiar with Chris that. Probably Chris Dunn? <laughs> yes, yes, I think it was. I think it was Chris. I think he's been on a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Chrissy Glover, this uh, used car analogy, how does that resonate with you? Uh, it resonated resonates completely with me, um, everything that Jessica said, but then also um, I really appreciate with what Tim said, and that's actually, you know, go out and ask for reviews. You don't want to tell people what to write, but ask for the reviews. Like, it's human nature for people to turn to online when they're unhappy or frustrated about something, and the people that are happy and do have the great things to share, they just don't think about it, and so you have to have to remind them. And so not only does that allow the job seeker to see a more complete picture, but it also gives the uh, the company a little bit more information that's actually true and actually accurate because you're taking a sample from everybody at the company, not just the people that are going online to grind. Thank you, Chrissy. Jessica, anything you want to wrap up on this topic? No, I'm, I'm glad that you picked this one because uh, I was hoping you would. Uh, it's, it's a fun one. What our listeners don't know is that I ask guests to send me at least almost a half a dozen talking points, notes, conversation topics before each show. And then during the live show when we're on the air, I pick and choose where I think it would be a good segue for the conversation. So I'm delighted that Chrissy and Jessica are happy with my choices. They just seem like really good places to go. But before we go to break, Jessica, and thank you for that, I want you to chat on just one more topic on the ugly side to transparency, which we weaved, we wove in a little bit uh, through Tim's comment. You say companies pay for premium placement on review sites. They pay for ads to be seen on competitors' profile pages. That sounds like nasty to me. Jessica, thoughts? Um, not always nasty. I mean, you if you uh, go into Google AdWords, and it's very common in Silicon Valley for maybe somebody that is a big player at Google to leave for uh, that competitor company that they leave to um, to put out AdWords to, as candidates or um, peers of, of 
of them at the uh, previous company are looking to see what happened to Jimmy or Samuel or, or whoever. So I, I think that um, it's smart. If I was in a recruiting position, I would place if I was able to ads on competitor sites. I think that sometimes the candidates don't know or understand and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, how they're not, I mean, advertising is everywhere. Retargeting is a very common thing. And I don't know if you've ever went to Nordstrom's online and saw this pretty hat or this bag or this pair of shoes and then feel like it's following you. Um, (laughs) I think the consumers just have to be informed, candidates too. Very well put. Tim, I heard you. Any comments on that? No, Jessica's right. And I I agree. I think that, you know, it's part of, you know, the business world and the competitive nature for talent that if I'm, you know, trying to fill some positions for one of my clients and I know that their biggest competitor has a lot of those individuals and those individuals coming to look at their Glassdoor site, why wouldn't I put a billboard up that said, hey, come work for us, we're better, or whatever it might be. Um, it's smart business, um, and, and Glassdoor, you know, is allowing, you know, companies to do that. They also allow you to, to, to own your own site as well. Now, again, they're, they're smart at their business model um, from that standpoint. So, you know, I think it works both ways. Like, if you want to own your your space on Glassdoor, you have the first right to do that. Um, if if you if you don't want it, your competitors have the right to do that, and that's just kind of free enterprise. So, I I, I give them credit for that. Okay, I take back the nasty comment, Chrissy. You want to chime in on this before we go to break? I'm really going to go to break, Chrissy. Right. It is what it is. It's marketing. It's not okay. exclusive to recruiting. Thank you. And uh, you just. You got to do what you got to do. And you got to be smart about it. Thank you. Good conversation. Great roundtable. Seem to have a very happy panel today. We're speaking with Tim Sackett, Chrissy Glover, and Jessica Miller Merrill. Today, our topic is the Yelpification of Recruiting Part Two, because if you just tuned in, Part One was October 20th, 2014, on our HR Trends with Game Changers series. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, Tim Sackett will kick off our predictions round. Tim, go find that crystal ball, polish it off. You know the drill. And I'm going to ask you if you can predict, predict project ahead, even forecast, which is a dirty word because we're here on, I'm here on, in New York on the North Shore of Long Island and the predictions and forecasts have just been really, really bad, really off. They're either very good or very off or OMG in the middle. So we're going to predict what the Yelpification will, with, of recruiting will be like, uh, let's say the year 2020 or wherever you see in the crystal ball. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. First up in the predictions crystal ball round is Tim Sackett, president of HRU Technical Resources. Tim, Yelpification of recruiting. Maybe there's a part three in our future. I don't know. I love this so much. Maybe we'll invite you all back. But speaking of the future, how far into the future can you see in the crystal ball? Talk to me. Um, you know, I, I, I take a look at it probably in the next year to three years. And, and for me, it's, it's probably within the talent, talent acquisition world. Um, you know, Jessica spoke a little bit about HR tech and recruiting tech and, and just the evolution of how great the technology is that's coming out. And, and the impact that we'll have to talent acquisition is right now we have, within talent acquisition, we have a sourcing and we have recruiting. Sourcing finds the candidates. Recruiting kind of closes the candidates. It's, it's a little bit different model based on the company you're in. But the reality is that the technology is getting so good that it's going to eliminate a lot of what the sourcer does right now, which goes out and searches for candidates and potential pools of candidates and things of that sort. Um, pretty, I mean, we're already at that point right now where sourcing can do a lot of it. I think it just gets more and more advanced. Um, what I think we'll see is an evolution of sourcing where we see sourcing as a function really focus on, you know, passive candidates that aren't active within an organization. So they're really going out and uncovering individuals that have no idea who you are, what you are, what you have available. And then recruiting, taking on the active role of those people who are currently out there looking and doing it. I mean, we take a look at the numbers, about 25% of all Americans are always in a job search. So, so is it, is it 25% are always currently looking. They're active in their job search. That means 75%, three-quarters of Americans aren't looking and necessarily aren't a part of your applicant pool. And I think the sourcers have to find out how do we tap into those individuals and really grow that network more. And, and, and the technology is going to help, but I think there's a more of a directed role for that, for that organization to go towards. Thank you very much. Let's move for predictions next to... Chrissy Glover. How far in the future can you see, Chrissy? Um, you know, I would say we'll start seeing this happen within just a couple of years, but big time in the next decade or so. But I could really see a show like this, at least one of the topic conversations being how to dig your company out of a hole after forgetting to listen to your employees. So this is, this is something that, you know, that I, that is very common throughout the business world. And so I see it more as not just a talent acquisition thing. I see it as a, you know, HR leaders, company leaders, CEOs, founders of companies. Um, you know, I think what I have to say is pretty brief, and that's just advice to those CEO and leaders is to start paying just as much attention to your employer brand as you do your consumer brand, because without your people, you have nothing. And oftentimes I see companies get so focused on um, their consumer that, that, that they forget that if they don't have their employees, they, they have nothing. Like happy employees, you know, translate to happy customers. And I think that message gets lost sometimes. Thank you very much. Jessica Miller-Merrill, how far into the future can you predict? Uh, so I'm going to kind of go a, a little bit different, and, and I'm thinking this will be 2017, 
maybe sooner if uh, things continue the way they're going. But I'm thinking a lot about the contingent workforce and not just engaging those firm full-time or part-time employees, but really looking at employment branding in terms of finding those freelance or those independent workers and gaining their trust and building those relationships with them and, and creating communities of those people that you can pull from for project-based work. Uh, there's a really great article that was posted recently on Forbes about working below the API, and it's talking about the uberization of the workforce. But I think that um, most people are going to either be working above the API, so above the algorithm or tech, uh, they have a real specialized job, or below, and, and that's in those um, jobs like Uber and, and project work where um, there's always going to be a need. Thank you. We have a little leftover time. I'm going to throw out a bonus question here to the whole panel. We'll start with Tim and then Chrissy and Jessica. My question is, demographically, as far as HR leadership, let's go arbitrarily to the year 2020. Who will be filling those talent leader jobs, that HR seat at the C-suite roundtable or boardroom table? Will they be millennials having climbed up that far in the next five years? Will it be, I don't know, people in their 40s or 50s? Will it be some boomers hanging on for dear life? Who will be the ones making these? I still, I think the Gen X uh, you know, uh, female group will, will probably rise up uh, during that time. We see so many. I mean, the gray wave right now of retirement with the baby boomers, especially I'm in the Midwest, kind of the Rust Belt. It's amazing at the number of individuals retiring right now in that baby boom generation. So, I mean, just normal kind of ebb and flow of workforce and, and, and demographics and how they would develop. I'm sure the Gen X will be leading that charge with, uh, with the higher millennial performers, you know, right there as well. Okay. Chrissy Glover, who will be in that seat? Top HR talent leader 2020. I wish I had something remarkably different to say, but I 100% agree with Tim. Okay. Jessica, I need you to say something different. What do you think? <laughs> I think there are a number of millennials who are looking at the world differently and, and uh, can really articulate themselves and are really focused on um, business and, and business strategy that will be making a move. But it's going to be nice to see women um, in this industry in the HR and recruiting roles moving into the more senior ranks. We're we're already seeing it now, um, but in in smaller numbers. It'll be accelerating. Okay. What will the age of those women be? Um, Probably, I would say, maybe 45 to 32. You you might get some younger ones in there, and and especially these fast-moving tech companies that folks are, are promoting fast, and you're experienced or your age isn't so much important. Okay. Will they be more aware and more able to keep up with Yelpification of their employer brand? Will they be the ones who are seeing it right now, maybe as employees changing jobs, and they'll come into that role and say, oh, boy, this better be one of our strategic eyeball moves. We better have this on the radar all the time. Will they be more savvy about it? I, I think they'll, they will because they'll be users of Yelp, and they're, it's part of the ecosystem, and it's something that, that they are – um, has been a part of, you know, maybe their professional or most of their adult life, if not their childhood as well. Okay. Guess what? I need about a minute left to close the show because I have my own predictions. I'm going to predict that next Tuesday morning, next Tuesday at noon, we'll be launching yet another new series here on Game Changers Radio called Business Innovation with Game Changers. And the following Tuesday, I predict we're going to start and. uh Jessica and Chrissy, listen up. We're going to be starting a brand new series on March 3rd called Game Changing Women. 
How about that? That's going to be a show to listen to. I can also predict that this afternoon I'll be back at 3 p.m. Eastern with the Customer Edge with Game Changers and tomorrow morning with Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, and that will close out our week. Special thank you to our panelists, Tim Sackett at HRU Technical Resources, Chrissy Glover at O-Power. Nice to have you on board, Chrissy. Great addition to the panel, and Jessica Miller-Merrill at Exceptional HR. Shout out to Brad and the Business Channel team and to our great tweeters. We had Sylvia Lennon and Karen Geraldo and Malcolm Kimberly. And I think Jessica Merrill has been doing double time here, talking and tweeting at the same time. We love that. Thank you so much, Jessica. So here's my call to action. You know what it is. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for now. Be back at 3 p.m. with another Game Changers radio show. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.